Okay, okay. Gather around, grab your seats. So glad you've chosen to join us tonight. What a beautiful day today. I mean, I'm just feeling spring all in my soul. God is good to us. This is why we pay to live in paradise days like this. So we're rebuking that winter in Jesus' name. We'll only have six more snowstorms up till Father's Day, but we'll be fine. We're laughing, but seriously. <laughs> the devil is a liar. Oh. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Matthew chapter 6. It's the Lord's Prayer. If you don't have your Bibles, no sweat. It'll be on the screen. But we're in our fourth week going through this series called Praying with Jesus. And we're taking these ancient words. They came to Jesus, the disciples, and they said, Master, teach us how to pray. That thing you do is just remarkable. We've never seen that. So would you show us where you get that authority from? Would you show us what intimacy with the Father looks like? And so Jesus teaches them to pray. And what we're going to do to start tonight, since we're preaching out of this text, we're going to pray it together, the Lord's Prayer. So would you join me now in praying the words that the Lord Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, and so Lord, we say, have your way among us tonight. We have nothing in our own strength. We cannot make something happen here tonight. We cannot turn the screws. We cannot force anything, we simply open ourselves to you and we say, Lord, have your way. Each one of us are here tonight and you know uniquely how to speak to our hearts. You are not the God of generalities. You are the God of specifics. You are not the God of the masses. You are the God of each one of us. You call us by name. And so Lord, I pray tonight as the word goes forth that you would call every single one of us by name. I pray that you would address the deepest places with your kindness and with your mercy and with your love. I pray, Lord, that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer, and I pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen. amen. The phrase that we're looking at tonight in the Lord's Prayer is give us this day our daily bread. Now, bread, is there anything more essential than bread. I mean, for, for all of human history, we have been those who have, have sat around the table or around the fire and we've gone out and we've worked the ground and we've, you know, other generations have really worked the ground and we've just got, gone, oh, that's cool. <laughs> Thank God for the 5,000 farmers that we have in our nation. Uh, but anyway, you get the point. We, we've, we've worked the ground and we've brought this food to the table and we've broken bread. We've We've said, thank you, Lord. And Jesus is talking to a community of subsistence farmers. I interviewed Ellen Davis, Dr. Ellen Davis, one of the great Old Testament scholars of our day. She's 73 or 74 years old at Duke Divinity School. And she told me that in, in this 
age when Jesus was speaking, about 95% of the community surrounding Jerusalem would have been subsistence farmers, working the ground, praying, literally, give us this day. Like, give us the rain, let the sun shine, let the ground work, don't send any hail, don't send any blight. Like, all the conditions have to just be perfect so that we can come to the table and break bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Bread speaks of provision, of having what we need. It's the essentials. And it was, for them, the result of their labor. The wheat springs up from the grace of God's earth, but also from the toil of their hands. But bread is not just literal bread. Give us this day our daily bread. I think there's something larger here that Jesus is speaking to. And I know I'm very white and some of you won't believe this, but I'm kind of an R&B and rap guy, okay? So, uh, you know, I've had to get some of that stuff out of me through the years, but, uh, you know, I can go toe to toe. And I got got some lyrics in me, got some verses in me. I know you don't believe this, but... um, but, you know, they, the rappers, they talk about bread, you know, like bread, make it rain, you know, like Benjamin's bread, like Marshawn Lynch, great running back who's now retired. Go to YouTube if you got a minute and watch a Marshawn Lynch bread, this funny little press conference. It's hilarious. Okay. So bread, money, coin, Give us this day, yes, food, but also, Lord, you know the complexity of our needs. Lord, we need you to step in to our areas of lack and give us what we need. Give us this day. You see, this prayer shows us that God cares about taking care of us. There's an iconic bread story in the Old Testament that the Jews listening to Jesus on this day when he taught them how to pray, they would have immediately heard resonances of the great Old Testament story that had to do with bread. You remember the story, 430 years, they're slaves in Egypt, Pharaoh's whip, more brick, less straw. He's driving them for generation after generation after generation. And then finally the 10 plagues come. Finally, the last of the 10 is the death of the firstborn sons in Egypt. And and, and Pharaoh goes, get out of here. And they race out into the wilderness and they take their little Passover bread and, and, and it doesn't have any leaven in it. And then they get out into the wilderness and they go, this is cool. What are we going to do? <laughs> like at least back in Egypt, we had somewhere predictable to sleep and we had our systems and our routine and we knew where our food was going to come from. It wasn't much, but at least we kind of knew it. We, we got into that groove and now we're out here in this sweltering wilderness of unknowing And we don't know where our food is going to come from. And we can't work the ground because we don't have any farm implements. We're just here wasting away in the sand of the Middle Eastern desert. And what happens? Exodus chapter 16 is the most iconic bread story for the ancient Jews. Then the Lord said to Moses in the wilderness, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. These people who who don't have their lives sorted out and the dust is still settling literally from their flight from Egypt and here they are now living under the the sun and God says, I will rain down heaven, uh, bread from heaven for you. And then that evening, quail came and they covered the camp and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost, this is where we get frosted flakes from. Just so you know, it's, it's, frosted flakes are from the Holy Ghost, you know? So, um, sorry, that's a bad preacher joke. 
When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is that? What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. God cares about taking care of us. They did nothing to earn it. They, did, they had no farming equipment. There was no fertile land. They just opened up their hands and received it. This is, this is prefiguring, this is showing that this is the God who has always been the God of grace, the God of abundance, the God of mercy, the God who's not keeping tabs of our good works. He just takes care of us. Here's bread, here's quail, water shoots out of the rock for them. And these people, all of them wandering in the wilderness for 40 years have every single thing they need. Why? Because God takes care of his people. They were homeless, but they weren't hungry. God took care of them. Tonight, we'll talk about bread. We'll talk about provision. So what I want to do is put in front of you two problems and a solution. Two problems about bread, about provision, and a solution that I'll suggest. The first problem is the problem of not enough bread. Every culture, every society, every individual family who has struggled through the years have that has come to a moment of lack of difficulty of wondering where the next meal is going to come from this is a deep human problem the problem of not enough bread you see what what Jesus wants to say to us is we are not angels we are humans we're creatures with real needs God intends to meet those needs for us There's a false spirituality that would deny and downplay the importance of our daily provision. It's a sort of neo-Gnosticism. But I'll just say you can typically only talk this way if you have all you need. (laughs) Oh, bread is just spiritual bread. And God just kind of rains down the goodness and the good feels and the great energy from the cosmos. And all that, you know, stuff coursing through the universe that just, God just, he gives us this day. No, like you can only say that if your pockets are padded and if your pantry's full. You can only spiritualize this concept of bread into out there if, if, if your pantry's full. This is a spirituality that can come from the satiated and the secure. Poverty for so many people around the globe is still a major problem. 9.2% of the world or 689 million people live in extreme poverty on $1.90 or less a day. 700 million people, $1.90 or less per day. In the U.S. alone, 12% of the population, or 38.1 million of us, live in poverty with an income of less than $33 per day. That's $12,000 per year. Try living on that. Try, try, fi- try finding an apartment in Colorado Springs that's for less than $12,000 a year. Just a roof over your head happening in our own country. When looking beyond income to people experiencing deprivation in health and education and living standards, 1.3 billion people in 107 developing countries are multidimensionally poor, which means they don't have education, they don't have health care, they don't have a safe place to sleep, they don't have enough food. Multidimensionally poor. Poverty is a very real thing. Poverty breaks God's heart and it ought to break ours too. 
This is why Compassion International, I'm seeing so many friends in this room who work with Compassion. We sponsor children and, and we have for all these years. Why? Because we want to deliver people out of poverty in Jesus' name. It's like, that's like as low-hanging fruit as you can find. Like, to be Christian? Oh yeah, step into these kinds of opportunities. One child matters and so many different people. We here at New Life are sponsoring 300 kids in Guatemala every month, taking care of their basic needs and school and healthcare and education, all the stuff. Why? Because poverty breaks God's heart and it ought to break ours too. Give us this day our daily bread. This is why as we give tithes and offerings, the dream centers of Colorado Springs and Mary's home and all the stuff that we're doing in this city, we're taking care of people in Lebanon. We're taking care of people in Pakistan. Every single month we're saying God has given us this day our daily bread as a church and we want to scatter our bread to the nations. Take care of those who cannot take care of themselves. This is who God is and this is who he has made us to be. So I'll say if you're blessed, Praise the Lord. I'm not mad at you. God has been good. We're not supposed to beat ourselves up for, and make ourselves feel bad. God has blessed us. And if you're blessed, praise the Lord. But if you're living in a bubble of blessing, I want to suggest find ways to break out of it and get into someone else's reality. Break out of the bubble. Don't just live and think, thank God I'm good. Thank God, man, taking care of number one and all my needs are met and all my desires. No, that, that's not like God. So God blesses us. This is Genesis 12. Abraham and Sarah, hey, I want to do something with you and through you. I'm going to bless you and make you a blessing. And through your offspring, all the nations of the earth will find themselves swept up into blessing. This is faith 101. This is the very beginning of our founding document. God likes to take care of us. And he sends us out with eyes wide open to take care of other people. Poverty breaks God's heart and it ought to break ours too. If God has blessed you, rejoice. Make sure you're breaking out of the bubble of blessing to be in touch with other people's reality and be a blessing in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen. The problem of not enough bread, but the second problem is the problem of too much bread. The problem of too much bread. Some of you are going, how is that possible to have too much bread. Let's go back to the founding bread story for the people of God. Exodus 16. So God has given them quail and manna and frosted flakes and all the good stuff is happening. God has taken care of them and, and they're going, whoa, thank you. You, you. We're learning something about you here. You're good. You're merciful. You're kind. You take care of our needs. But then it goes on to say, then Moses said to them, no one is to keep. Everyone say keep. No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses and they kept part of it until morning. But in the morning, it was full of maggots and it began to smell. The people go, crud, we're out here in this wilderness and we just left Egypt and we don't know where our next meal is gonna come from and psh, fool me once. And they start going out and they start sending their kids and they're, you know, everyone's you know, frothing at the mouth and they're afraid. What's happening is they're acting as if the one who has provided for them today will not provide for them tomorrow. So they go, well, if it's gonna be, it's gotta be me. 
and they're taking it in their tent and they're stuffing it underneath their sleeping bags and get out their kids and shut, no, everyone hurry up. And they're socking it away. They're getting all they can and they're canning all they get and they're circling the wagons and they're acting as if it's their job to be God. And they got up in the morning and it was full of maggots and their tents were, were horrifically smelly. Stockpiling, greedy self-consumption, being the sole recipient of God's blessing in our lives. I'll just say that hoarding ends in rotting. Living in fear that I have to be in charge of my future ends up making us bad people. We've all been there. I don't ever want to be in that position. uh, It's never going to happen. You've gone up to that precipice of falling over into the abyss of of poverty and and lack and life's not going to work. Well, what do you do? You go in the opposite direction and you fill your tent with all the stuff. But what happens with the people of God who've been called to be generous and who've called to live under his dominion and his provision and and to give to the nations of the earth and to live open-handedly when we don't live open-handedly and when we start burying things in our tent and, and living in fear, it starts to rot. It starts to go bad. Our souls start to get uh, septic, you know, just, just gross. Hear me, please, 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 please. This is not to suggest that we should not plan for the future. I've got a, a, a financial planner in this room. He's back there going. <laughs> no, he's not because he's a man of God and he knows plan for the future. I'm not saying be stupid. I'm not saying be an idiot. I'm not saying don't think about generation. I'm not saying that at all, not at all. But I am saying if you live in fear and if you live self-protectionistic and if you live greedy and if you live uh, circling the wagons, you'll find out that what God has given you actually starts to go bad on you. Have you ever been with someone who has everything and they're miserable? Some of the most miserable people I've ever been with. And factly, in fact, in factly, <laughs> hooked on phonics, worked for me, in factly. In fact, the, the vast majority of the miserable people I've been around have been people with deep pockets. Why? Because we start thinking that we are God and we've got to provide. And what if the market tanks? And what if this? And what if that? And, we're, and we start going all... When you read the story of the, of, of the people of God as slaves in Egypt, and then you're, they're in Pharaoh's Egypt, the story tells us that Pharaoh's the one who can't sleep. How ironic. They're slaves. More bricks, less straw. Give us this day our daily bread. They have nothing. They've got sores on their feet. There's a deep kind of abiding trust and joy, and it, we're just okay. Pharaoh, who is leading the empire, is the one who can't sleep. Isn't that ironic? Because hoarding ends up in rotting. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't plan for the future. I'm not saying success is the problem. Success is not the problem. Self-reliance is the problem. So the solution, the two problems, not enough bread, too much bread. Here's the solution. The solution is just enough bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, I, 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 just to level with you, I don't, 
I, I don't naturally love this prayer. Give us, what it actually says is give us this day our daily bread. That's, that's not, it doesn't really flow with the grain of my soul. That kind of cuts against me. That uh, you have to sort of practice your way and faith your way and depend your way into believing this prayer. It, it is not, doesn't come naturally to me. What I want the Lord's prayer to say is give me this day my yearly bread and then get out of my way and I'll manage it just fine. Just front load it, Lord. I'll be a good steward. You know, just go ahead and send it on to me. You can trust me. I'm not going to go gambling. I'm not going to Vegas. I'm not going to be watching, you know, like just give me this day my yearly bread up front so that I don't have to trust you. Because I don't like living by faith. I like living by sight in what's in my account. And I, oh, I'm comfortable with those numbers. And I'm comfortable with what the market's doing. And I'm really comfortable. Just, Lisa, can you just breathe okay with, with our yearly bread up front? It's just good. I, I like living that way. It's called self-reliance. But God teaches us through his son, Jesus Christ, to pray this, this counter-cultural, counter-earthly kingdom kind of prayer and say, give us this day, our daily bread. I remember getting a phone call. It was probably 14 years ago here at the church, and I could not believe the phone call I got. New Life had just gone through a crisis, really, really, really bad crisis. We'd lost our senior pastor. I guess it would have been 13 years ago because it was just after the shooting that we had here on our campus. Senior pastor, crisis. We're $26.5 million in debt. We had to fire 44 staff members overnight. Then we have a shooter come on our campus and take two lives and then his own life here in the building. It was just absolute pandemonium. And I'm shell-shocked as this young pastor and Lillian's just a baby, just baby, baby. And my phone rings at the church and it's a guy named Rick Warren. Like Saddleback Church, California, Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren. Like, excuse me? Like, Richard Warren or Rick Warren? Rick Warren. Yeah, I recognize that voice. And he said, hey, um, you, you don't know me. My name's Rick and I'm a pastor in California. And I heard about what happened at your church and my heart has just been breaking for your church. And I got, it, I got it a few extra hours tonight and I wondered if I could take any pastors on staff out to dinner. And I said, yeah, I'll be there. And five of us went to dinner with Rick Warren, this legend of a guy. Rick Warren wrote a book called Purpose Driven Life that's sold to date over 50 million copies. 50 million copies. You just get out your calculator and start crunching some numbers. The bro has made some coin. And we're sitting there and I'm 24, 25 maybe years old with this legend of a guy. I've read his books and I've been in his conferences. I played drums at one of his conferences. He didn't know me. Now I'm across the table at Ted's Montana Grill with a world-renowned legend, super humble. He's got his Hawaiian shirt on, just chill zone, Rick. <laughs> and we start asking questions. It's just the five of us. And we're at, he said, you can ask me anything. And I said, Rick, Tell me what it's like to write a book that sells 50 million copies. And, and he's, oh, you know, it just totally surprised me. And he said, let me tell you, uh, my wife and I, we, I think they've been married now 
46, 48 years or something. He said, the first year of our marriage, we determined that we were gonna tithe. We were gonna give 10% of our income. And he said, then we were making like, I don't know, as a couple, $1,200 a month 50 years ago combined. And we, we thought we were just wealthy. And, and so we, we were given our $120 check every month. We take it to church and we trust the Lord. And we said, we want to give 1% more every year for every year that we're married. Oh, cool. So year two, we gave 11%. And, you know, certain, we got up to 15%. We had to tighten the belt on some things because, you know, we're just kind of getting the squeeze. We weren't getting paid much more, but we were you know, giving the Lord more. And so, but we just kept trusting and then we went, we got to 18%. And, and, and he wasn't saying this braggadociously. He wasn't, you know, he, he, was, he was being super, we, I asked and so he let me into his life. And so he's telling me, and then he said, and then we wrote, I wrote this book that went bonkers. And the Lord said, I think in their marriage, this is where they would have been going like a 30% tithe, you know. 20 years in or something. And he said, the Lord told us, I want you to reverse tithe. 90-10. I want you to tithe 90 and live off 10. And he said, okay. We got there a little faster than we thought, you know. <laughs> little, we thought we'd be the old, you know, we've been married 90 years and we'd be giving 90%. But okay. He started reverse tithing. And, and he and and I said, are you, did you move houses? No, we're living in the same house. Did you, did you go buy a bunch of new, you go driving the same old Ford Explorer? And, and I'm just watching this guy. And, and this is someone who has learned <laughs> that success is not the problem. Success is not the problem. It came to him. Self-reliance is the problem. And so what he did was he spent his life trusting the Lord and giving it over to the Lord. He, the solution is just enough bread. Just enough bread. The people of God don't hoard, it rots. The people of God don't self-consume. The people of God don't pad their stats. The people of God are those who have been blessed to be a blessing, fine. Okay, Lord, you sent it my way, I'll reverse tithe. And Rick and his wife, Kay, they have given to the nations of the earth hundreds of millions of dollars. And you know why I think God sent it their way? Because he knew he could trust them with it. I was expecting a little more. <laughs> Exodus 16. The solution is just enough bread. Look at this. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. God is not trying to make our lives miserable. Give what you need. How many kids you got? How big's your crew? How big's your business? How big, gather as much as you need. I, I want you having what you need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told and some gathered much and some gathered little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed just as much as they needed. There's a great speaker that I know who is world-class. He, he's, he's a guy that I want to be like. And I got to interview him one day, talk, 
at a conference we were at. And he told me, I said, you know, you're, you've got all these invitations to travel. How do you know what to say yes to and what to say no to? And he said, my wife and I got together 10 years ago and we said, how much is enough? We had a family conversation, me and my wife, and we said, how much is enough? Because this is a guy who could load it up. He could be busy. He could be speaking 20 nights a month on planes and doing his thing and selling books. And, and he said, we asked how much is enough and we crunched the numbers. We have two children and we know we've got college coming. So they, they got that number and they said, this is all we need. This is all we need. And we're gonna tithe to our church and we're gonna tithe our time to the city that we live in. And they live in a city in the Northeast that has mass poverty and, and, and tough education systems. And they said, we, we will speak in our hometown And when we speak in our hometown, we refuse to be paid. We will not take a cent from our hometown because God has sent us here to be a blessing to this city. So we know how much is enough and we'll go out just enough and then we won't take any money from here and we'll give the very best of our strength to our church and to our local city and they serve them regularly and freely and they limit their travel and anything anything that comes in over that, they said, we'll give away. We have our number. Because we wrestled with the Lord and we said, Lord, what is enough? And they're firm on that number and anything throughout the year, no matter how much it is, they give the rest away. The solution is just enough bread. Thank you, brother. Notice, give us this day our daily bread. There are no singular pronouns in this prayer. There's no, give me this day my daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And when the people of God live this way, (laughs) when the people of God live as if God might just send the answer to someone else's prayer to me, to go through me so that their prayer can be answered. God will bless you. My pastor said all growing up, if God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. As I'm landing the plane here, I want you to see that when God is our father, we start treating each other like sisters and brothers. When God is our father, we start treating each other as sisters and brothers. But there's so much more going on here and I'm, I'm coming to the end. Jesus comes along and he says in John chapter six, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. You're thinking that cool miracle back there, that was Moses and Moses, that was a moment, praise God for that. Moses isn't the point of this story, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. We want the secret, tell us. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. You're all running around for bread. You're all worried about provision. You're all thinking that if you can just make sure your pantry's full, you'll have all you need. Jesus says it's not true. I am the bread of life and whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. What we're saying here when we say, give me this day my daily bread 
is we're saying, yes, of course we need real bread and of course we need real provision and of course we want our businesses to work and of course we wanna be able to put braces on the teeth of our children. No shame in God taking care of us. But what we're saying is give us this day our bread of a different substance and essence. Feed me now, yes, but also start feeding me the bread of immortality. Get me ready for the life of the world to come and get me on a diet that will get me ready for that day when Jesus comes. Again, let the bread of life, Jesus Christ himself, fill me and get inside inside of me and nourish me and make me new. Jesus, you are the bread of life. What we're saying is give us this day the bread that's going to feed us right into the kingdom of God. Nourish me with the deep identity of the image of God. Or we could say it this way, start feeding me a diet that consists of Jesus. Feed me with Jesus. Give me Jesus. Make me like Jesus. Help me to speak like Jesus. Help me to forgive like Jesus. Help me to love like Jesus. Help me to stretch out my arms if that's what it ends up being. Like Jesus, to give myself for those around me. Feed me with Jesus so that I can become like Jesus and live like Jesus in the world. Jesus preaches about bread, but he calls himself the true bread, and we can chase bread. We can chase paper. We can chase provision. We can chase pantries that are full, and that's not terrible, but what we, what we really need to do is chase the one, Jesus Christ, who is the true bread from heaven, and if we have Jesus, we have enough. If we have Jesus, we have it all. If we have Jesus, we have more than enough. Can you say amen? amen. Stand with me tonight, church. If you'd get your communion elements ready, this is exactly the thing we need to do to respond. Give us this day our daily bread. And every week as we come to the communion table, what we're saying is, Jesus, you're really what we need. And if we have you, all the rest of it will get taken care of. And so I want you to quiet your hearts and I want you to to invite the Lord to feed you with the bread of heaven to feed you with the true bread that'll never go bad, to feed you with the bread that'll make it so that you never go hungry again. Jesus Christ, we need you. Pray that you'd meet our needs and give us enough. Lord, we don't want shortage for anyone in this place. But we also don't want to be destroyed by superabundance. We want just enough. We want your provision in a way that's going to lead us to everlasting life. And we want you more than we want anything else. Can you say that to Jesus? I I want you more than I want anything else. Can you call on the name of Jesus tonight? The bread from heaven. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. Would you break that little wafer in between your fingers? He broke the bread He looked across the table to his disciples and he looks across the table to you and me tonight. And he says, this is my body, which is broken for you. I'm the true bread from heaven. I've got you covered. Stay with me. Let me nourish you. As often as you do this, Jesus says, remember, remember that I'm the bread from heaven. And so Jesus tonight, I pray that you would reset our memories, that you would reset our affections, that you would reset our appetites, that you would reset our palate, that you would reset our desires so that the thing that we desire the most is communion with you. 
feasting on the very bread of life, becoming more like you. And so Jesus, tonight we receive and we remember you. Friends, you can receive the bread. On the same night, Jesus took the cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood and it's given for the remission of your sins. The remission, the doing away, the washing away, the the making things right. All the bad stuff has been remitted. It's been sent away. And as often as you do this, remember. Remember that I'm here to set you right. Friends, what I want you to hear is that no matter what you've done leading up to this moment and up to this table encounter with Jesus, all of that has been taken care of at the table with Jesus. Sins forgiven, past taken care of, future opened up by the power of his spirit. We can start living a different way because Jesus has made it possible. Tonight, your sins are forgiven. Newness has been restored. And so, Lord Jesus, we say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Friends, you may receive the cup, the forgiveness of your sins. And now let's worship the Lord Jesus together.
sing all the earth will shout come on church these bones will sing great are you lord great are you lord great are you lord yeah all the earth all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing great come on church It's your breath, it's your breath. Somehow you've answered our prayer. 
you have given us this day. I ate today. (laughs) Praise your name. You answered our prayer today. And Lord, for tomorrow, we trust you. We trust you. Lord, I'm asking first with me and for those who have faith to go, yeah, sure, amen. I'm asking that you would break in us every fear of the future that would lead us to try to play God, (laughs) that would make us want to stockpile and hoard and protect ourselves. Lord, keep us from rotting on the inside. Keep our souls open. Keep our hearts generous. Keep our lives wide open to you. I pray for every business owner. Bless them, bless them, bless them, bless them. Success is not the problem. Self-reliance is the, is the problem. So, Lord, I pray every business would abound in this place. I pray that they'd be able to hire more people. I pray they'd be able to pay their people better. I pray that they'd be able to give benefits. Lord, I pray that you'd bless every single person putting their hand to the plow in this place. Lord, cause our people to flourish. Bless us so that we can be a blessing. And so, Lord, we commit to you that everything you send our way, it's on the table, Lord. You can ask us for it. You can talk to us about it. Give us eyes to see the needs all around us. Give us ears to hear the cry of the poor. I pray tonight, bless my friends and keep them. Make your face to shine upon them. Be gracious to them. Lord, lift your countenance upon them. And grant them peace, I pray, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Can we give God thanks for what he's done here tonight? I want to invite our prayer team to come down. We'd love to pray with any of you about any needs you might have. If you're new, come see us at Connect Central in the lobby. Go from here. Hey, hey, I almost forgot. This coming Wednesday, we have First Wednesday. Right over here, we're going to be worshiping and praying. Thursday is the National Day of Prayer in our nation. We're going to go for it Wednesday night and spill into Thursday morning. So come join us on Wednesday night at 630. Go from here in God's grace and peace. Much love.